All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, coldest week of the year time. Time to go play in the frozen blue tundra time. Time to go look for some defensive lineman time. A lot of interesting things going on right now. Time hoops time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Going to have the full crew eventually on this podcast today. First few segments going to be myself, Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Thursday morning out there. Unless it's Thursday afternoon or evening or Friday morning or afternoon or evening. Or maybe it's even Saturday morning or afternoon and you're driving up to the frozen blue tundra of Lexington, Kentucky. Kroger Field, the, the express lane. I'll never, ever use that, that expression. It, it's Commonwealth Stadium. It's Commonwealth Stadium is what it is. They can call it whatever they want. They couldn't even call it Kroger Field at Commonwealth Stadium. Come on, Kro- man. Kroger Field, if they if Kroger was going to pony up, man, they wanted they didn't want to share naming rights. They didn't want that work around. I'm it, just saying, you know, it's it's uh to quote Fiddler on the Roof, tradition. What if they what if they renamed Neyland Stadium? Can you imagine how many people would flip out? Yeah, I don't I don't know. That's a say hey, hey, maybe maybe there comes a day. I, I'm not. I'm not equating Kentucky football to Tennessee football. I'm just saying that. You it, know, it, come on, it's the name of the stadium, man. It's been there forever. I was gonna say maybe the better comparison would be renaming Rupp Arena to. That's true. Whatever. Eventually, they need to blow up Rupp Arena and build something new. It's not that really that nice. It's a nice place to watch a game, but uh, renovated it recently, or, or yeah, in the process but of it. You compare it to like the KFC Yum Arena there in Louisville, oh, and you're yeah. like, yeah, Louisville shouldn't have a better arena than Kentucky. They're gonna have to work on that. Regardless, we got plenty to discuss in this podcast, guys. We got some uh, disappointing Tennessee football recruiting news. Uh, disappointing news for the Vols. Certainly, really good news for Auburn. We'll be discussing that in the second segment. We're gonna take your questions as always in the third segment, and then at the very end. We're going to bring in our own uh, half-productive, half-worthless Grant Ramey to come in and discuss a little bit of Tennessee hoops with us as the Vols have opened the season 1-0 with a uh, somewhat – it was a comfortable win over UNC Asheville, but not necessarily uh, an impressive win. Uh, they, they got some things they got to sort out there, uh, as to be expected with so many new faces there and so many old faces and new roles. And, and you, know, you know, you got John Fulkerson right there in a, in a, in a female tennis player headband. So yeah, lots of, lots of stuff to talk about going on there. We will start though with this week in football, Tennessee, uh, the, the break up the Vols, red hot Vols, three wins in four games. Who knew it? Who knew it at one and four? Who knew it that this team would get to, to this point? But the Vols have a chance to inch closer to bowl eligibility if they go up and do what they normally do, which is win at Kentucky. Interestingly, fellas, this line opened at what? About three and a half for Kentucky and uh, quickly moved down to about two points and then a point and a half. And some places have it down to a point now. So basically, I it was a pick them one, one place. Yeah. So, so, so a lot of money pouring in on the Vols there. It's almost it, fellas. Hang with me here. It's almost as if people looked at most of recorded history. You know, you say that, but Tennessee lost the last time they were up there. Yeah, but, I mean, that's like... Weird circumstances. Come on now. Different staff. I get it, but... You know. But what, what do we think about this game, guys? Because this is, to me, really interesting. Because Kentucky is, for the second year in a row kind of finding ways to kind of churn out wins and it's not really pretty but they're they're 
you know, if Stoops has done nothing else up there, he's made that a much more physically imposing, much more physically tough football team, and, and they kind of grind out wins. And those days of chucking it around with the uh, Lorenzens and – you know Tim Couches of the world that 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 stuff's done that right now Andre Woodson Andre Woodson right now they're sitting there uh playing a, a wide receiver at quarterback again and he might not play as much quarterback this week we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute but this this is a much different game than it used to be because Kentucky is just a different program Stoops has I think done a really nice job up there and made them much more relevant in this league yeah I, I, if you're Kentucky I don't know why you wouldn't start Lynn it's Bowden, right? Lynn Bowden. Everybody says Bowden. Bowden. It's, it's supposed to be Bowden. Bobby uh, and Terry and Tommy, they all ruined it for everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, – And Jordan. I mean, he's, he's a really good player. Um, and, and had really big games against Arkansas when they won, uh, and against Missouri when they won. Um, and and it's, it's, it's like if you used to play NCAA football, you put your fastest player at quarterback and run speed option all the time that's basically kind of what they're doing is just sort of putting their fast player quarterback and the west virginia pat white um, offense. yeah i mean they're putting their their best athlete there and you know, roscoe parish on ncaa yeah, 04 yeah, yeah i mean he can throw it uh, Bowden can throw it a little bit i'm you know i think he probably was a high school quarterback so, had you know, to be yeah uh, a lot of a lot of guys like that are you know play are, are their best are the best athletes on their team and so their they're high school teams put them at quarterback so uh, i think he's thrown it like 33 times in those three starts so it's not you know I still expect Kentucky to run it 45, 50 times uh, try on Saturday to. night, and that'll shorten the game. That'll mean that uh, you have to maximize your possessions and be more efficient because you're not going to get to see the ball as much. But um, if, if I'm Tennessee and I'm I'm Jeremy Pruitt and I'm Derek Hansley, I'm saying play a wide receiver quarterback the whole game. We'll we'll eat that up. I think uh, I think if 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 nothing else, uh, I think Tennessee has shown and Pruitt has shown that if you have a one dimensional offense, that he's gonna they'll they'll play good enough defensively to keep them in the game. And the question is. For Tennessee, what do they get a quarterback? Uh, what do they get from the offensive line? Are they do they get any healthier there? Are they able to run the ball better than they did against B, uh, UAB when they didn't run the ball well at all? Um, and if they can score enough points to uh, and, and not make the catastrophic mistakes on offense that yes. could make it easier for uh, an offense that's in Kentucky that's you know playing a guy that's not really a quarterback a quarterback but has had some results with it. And, and I'm sure Kentucky had an open date. I'm sure they've. Uh, that's given them time to get Sawyer Smith, who's their actual quarterback, yeah. a little bit healthier. Maybe you could see him. I think he did throw a pass in, against Missouri. Um, but if I mean, if you're Kentucky and you got that thing rolling with two wins and three starts with, with, with Bowden at quarterback, I don't know why you wouldn't keep doing it. And like I said, the open day will probably give him a time to uh, expand some of the things that they do with him back there. Yeah, I, 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 we saw this in 2011, of course, in a game that Tennessee fans don't want to discuss a whole lot. But Bro, I think- Ark. Yeah, I, I think there is something a little bit trickier to playing a wide receiver type at quarterback because it changes your expectations so much about what you're going to see in a way that I think is different from even a dual threat quarterback who can run a lot. I think the expectation is this guy can't throw that well, and, and Jeremy Pruitt we've heard this week talking about how how well Bowden can throw it um, to, to kind of although they haven't shown it much maybe because the last couple of games it's been sort of in sloppy conditions for Kentucky yeah but, that, that's true we need to remember that that they've played in very Kentucky-like weather a lot recently <laughs> um, so uh, Wes always thinks of Kentucky as the same as Antarctica um, it's, it's the seventh circle of hell basically and I, I like the city of Lexington it's every time we're up 10 there. degrees yeah when Tennessee goes up there it's it's rough but um, but yeah I, I think that's that's the tricky part is that you you have to guard so much against the run because you're expecting every play to be a run. And when it's run effectively, 
and you and you just mix in that occasional pass, they can burn you for a big play. And so it can be really, really tricky. It's it's not quite like defending the triple option, Wes's favorite offense or anything like that, but it can have a similar it's beautiful offense. Can have a similar effect on on the way defenses play. And so that's that's one of the reasons I think it's maybe been effective. It's it's just so different, such a different mindset from what you you see on a week to week basis these days in college football. So I, you know, I, we saw Tennessee on the practice field this week, and they're, you know, they're some of their coaches are talking about you know preparing for Kentucky to run sixty times, and you kind of almost have to think of it that way because of the way they play. So I, I think that is something to keep in mind, and that's one of the things that makes it tough to to stop a guy like that when when they're running it smoothly. Yeah, but from Tennessee's standpoint, I think you've seen them play against one dimensional sort of offenses and, and do pretty well. I mean, South yep. Carolina they put they put that game on Ryan Helinski and he had an off day, and that's you know that's a lot a lot of the reason why Tennessee won because their quarterback and the receivers weren't on the same page. There were some drops. South Carolina wasn't very efficient. Uh, a lot of a lot of passing situations because Tennessee took away their uh, their run game for the most part. Same with Mississippi State; they had Kylan Hill, who was leading rusher in the SEC at the time. He might still be after he ran for like 800 yards against poor little hapless Arkansas. Man, but, Arkansas is bad. Um, you know, they put that game in the hands of uh, of of Mississippi State's quarterbacks too, and those guys couldn't get the job done. So, um, I, I, if I'm Tennessee, I'm more worried about Missouri because they have a guy a quarterback that can run and throw. Yeah, uh, and Kelly Bryant, you know, he's he's not. I don't know how healthy he is at this point, but. Um, and that's not to say Bowden can't throw, but if you're Tennessee, don't you want to? You're gonna. All right, we'll see if you can throw. That 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 would be the game plan to me. Obviously, a lot of a lot of defending. Some of what Kentucky does is you have to be disciplined. It's like Ryan said, you are kind of defending a triple option. You have to make sure you're 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 fitting everything up right. Um, but I think if you're Tennessee's defensive line, Tennessee's defensive line has played pretty well against some of these teams that have run the ball uh, in the past few weeks, and if, if they're able to sort of stymie. Um, Kentucky's offensive line, which I think is pretty good. If they're able to sort of win up front more than they lose, and I think that'll free up the linebackers and safeties coming in the box to make plays. And uh, and if you're Tennessee, I think you got to kind of try to keep Bowden bottled up and not let him get on the edge where his athleticism gets you in some one-on-one situations and you got to make open field tackles. If you do that, I think you can get in trouble. But uh, if you're Tennessee's defense, I think you're saying, bring it on. I mean, let's we'll we'll take on we know we can stop one dimensional offenses and we're going to try to make Kentucky one dimensional on on Saturday night. Here's what scares me about Tennessee in this game. It's really it's really quickly here. We got to we're up against it here in the first segment. Got to get to break. But here's what scares me in this game. Tennessee's safeties scare me a little bit in this game. Uh Jalen McCullough is a really smart kid. He's a really mature kid for his age. He's also a true freshman. And that scares me in a game like this because you know that Kentucky's going to know that's a true freshman out there. And they're going to lull him to sleep with some runs. One mistake. And then it takes one mistake and he's gone. And I'll tell you, the other guy, the other safety, Nigel Warrior, is playing infinitely better football than he ever has at any point in his career. He's also still prone for one or two kind of blunders per game where he kind of gets lost or takes a bad angle or something like that. If I'm Kentucky, I, I, I know. I don't just think. If I'm Kentucky, I know that I can hit a couple big play action passes on this defense because I'm going to lull them to sleep. I, I, it might even cost me a couple drives because I'm sitting there kind of, you know, just giving it right there, giving it away, giving it away when you know you're going to punt the ball, but you trust your defense, and then you know that when it, when, when it matters a couple times, you're going to pull that ball back and you're going to dump it over the top to a wide-open tight end or receiver for a, or back for a big play. And if I'm Tennessee and I'm Jeremy Pruitt, that scares me going into this game is the discipline that you need. Because I don't worry so much about uh, the front seven in this game. I think they'll be okay. Uh, I'm not really worried about the cornerbacks either. They're mostly going to do their jobs. They, they usually do a pretty good job of that. 
but if I'm Tennessee, I'm, I'm worried about those safeties. And I'd really, really, really like Theo Jackson to be back in this game. I know he's not uh, a perfect player, um, but he seems to me to be about one of the more consistent guys. I know he's had a couple big busts, but I think he, he, he seems to be more consistent in some ways than some of the other guys. I'd really like to have Theo Jackson back for this game. That's just my opinion. But I, I – that that's what would worry me. Am I am I crazy for thinking that, guys? No, I, I don't think so at all. And and I mean, let's face it, a running quarterback puts stress on defense in a lot of areas. You know, the the safety play is one way you can do it. Um, but let's let's face it, Tennessee's defensive line has to be good in this game. Their linebackers have to be really good. This is, this is a big test for uh, you know a position where Tennessee's been pretty good, but they need to be good across the board there. And and, and Daniel Batuli and, and Henry Toto, I think, will be pretty busy in this game. Uh, I, I would be sure. Sh- I'd be surprised if both those guys didn't have pretty big numbers in this game because of the way Kentucky runs the ball and everything. So they've got to make, they've got to tackle well. You know, we've seen Tennessee miss some tackles at times, and I think that's something to keep in mind going into this game is that this team has has still been prone to some mistakes, even though they've played noticeably better on defense. So this will this will test them in a number of areas. But I do think, like Patrick said, you have to keep in mind Tennessee has done a good job against against running quarterbacks and running offenses in general. And I think they Ellington gave him some problems. They, he did, he did. But I, I, I like their chances though against a more one-dimensional offense because they've shown they but, can. But Georgia State could throw. I mean, Georgia State's yeah, I think top fifteen nationally in scoring right now. That's what I'm saying. Points. I mean, they got a quarterback who can do both. They, yeah, they, I mean, look, going back to last year, I mean, Kentucky and Auburn were the two SEC wins last year. Those were teams that didn't throw it particularly well at that time. And then this year, you know, Mississippi State and South Carolina didn't throw it amazingly well in those two games. So I, I think, that, you know, one of the keys to beating Tennessee uh, under Jeremy Pruitt has been having a balanced offense or a, or a really good passing game. Uh, and, and Kentucky not having that, I think, is it, it, it makes it easier for Tennessee to defend. But they've also got a guard, like you said, against the big play in the passing game. And as long as they can do that, though, I, you know, from what Jeremy Pruitt has shown in his two years at Tennessee, I, I think they've got a, a, a decent chance of keeping this a low-scoring game, and it's going to come down to – I think just whether Tennessee takes care of the ball the way they have been for, for most of the last few games. Before we step away, guys, I will say this. Uh, you're asking, why are we not talking about the quarterbacks? Why are you guys not talking about the quarterbacks? We don't know. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt's not going to say anything uh, until uh, basically after the game on Saturday. We will see. All three guys are out there at practice. Um, it looks to me that, that Brian Maurer is taking more reps, more first-team reps than he did last week. But, again, we only see part of practice, and we only see what they want us to see. So, uh, I think after last week's kind of rope-a-dope of saying Maurer was available when really they didn't want to play him, uh, I, I'm not I'm not willing to to put any wagers on this because I didn't hear that Shroud was maybe starting last week until Saturday morning, Saturday late morning. So yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not willing to sit here and and make any bold guesses on that just yet because this time last week I I thought something different was going to happen so we'll see what happens there Uh, if anything happens you know we'll have it on govoss247.com we will go right there if we get anything definitive on that but until then uh, the waiting game continues. They Some, got they got three guys and and they they might use all of them. Something tells me the one we can eliminate is J T. Shroud as the starter. I think I'd be pretty surprised if he started this game. I think uh, it's I think it's either yeah. Maurer or Garantano starting. That's probably fair. Probably fair. I want to see him get all three of them on the field just to yeah. just to mess with everybody. I've said going to a shotgun formation, the old, the old T formation where you got three guys. Yeah, but you got three guys back there in in a shotgun. Shoot, and, put put Jawan back there too. Let's and, just let's yeah, just get everybody and, back there. And Brandon Kennedy, you don't know who he's going to snap it to. Only he knows, and the quarterback knows. And so you call the play in the huddle. He snaps it to one guy, and whoever he doesn't snap it to, the other guys become lead blockers for the other one or pass pro pass pro guys. So, what do you think? It's crazy. 
But he, we had a three uh, quarterback uh, offense when I played flag football. There you go. At UT intramurals. There you go. I was a center, so I had to work on my one handed snaps. You didn't fire back. Right. You didn't fire back there with two hands. Uh, no, I had to disguise. I had two hands on the ball, but sometimes I just flip it back there with my left ah. hand or right hand. It's a, it's a Took good. A lot thing. of forearm <laughs> curls at the gym. I didn't know Grant Ramey at the time. He could help me. That's true. With the, with his all his subs. Get yeah, all, it could get, help me more. Get his subs in there, guys. We're gonna take a take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna we're gonna go uh, pay some bills, listen to some products and services and in house ads and all those fun things. And we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about something that uh, is not necessarily good news for for the Vols. Spoiler alert. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. To the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have just heard a moment ago if you're one of those people who doesn't hit the fast-forward button, which, again, is your right to do. But we, we like it when you listen to the ads. It's, uh, it, it helps us a little bit, helps the company a little bit, and uh, it's not going to hurt you too much, right? It's 30, it's 30, minute, 30 seconds, 60 seconds out of your life. Come on, it's not that hard. If you, if you don't want any ads, you should, you should sign up for a VIP membership to GoVolts 24-7 because it includes now CBS All Access. Perfect. The commercial free plan. The commercial free. Which is $100 free. a year, but you, Royce. Get it, but you get it just for signing up for some Tennessee football and basketball and recruiting coverage. And as long as you're a member of GoVolts 24-7, you get free access. That's not going away. You get free access to CBS All Access, the premium package, the commercial free package, all your favorite shows, all your, uh, you know, NCISs, all your big brothers and survivors and all those things. You get all of them. Get all of them for free. And, and you also get live college football. You get live NFL football. So you while you're driving up to Lexington, while you're driving up to Lexington on Saturday, if you want to watch BAM LSU, boom, there you go. As long as you're not driving. Yes, you don't want to be driving and watching football. That's dangerous. If you're a passenger. Yes. You know, we might use CBS All Access when we take our uh, Tennessee-Kansas basketball road trip this year which I might be letting the cat out of the bag early on this, but we're talking about uh, our friend Mike Wilson with the, with the new Sentinel and our, our friend Troy Provost Heron, even though he had a hyphenated name and needs to pick one of them uh, from the Marvel Daily Times. We're talking about renting an RV and going to Kansas to, to just document the road trip. So, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, we could use CBS All Access right there because that would be for free. And fortunately, we have it because we work at GoBoss 24-7. See, how about that? How's that work for a segue? And there's no hashtag ads. No hashtag ads. All right, what are we talking about in this segment? Let's We're go. talking about Jay Hardy. We're going to throw the uh, microphone over to Ryan, basically, because Tennessee, Ryan, I, I think for the past several months has felt not – you're never confident in recruiting. You're never 100% confident. You're never sure of anything. I think Tennessee thought it was going to get Jay Hardy, the top 100 defensive lineman from Macaulay School in Chattanooga, a, a city that Tennessee typically owns in recruiting. And um, he, uh, he, uh, he, he, uh, he didn't pick the balls. Yeah, it was a, a bit of a shocker, honestly. Uh, Wednesday morning, that so he went to Wichita State. Yeah, that uh, that that Jay Hardy uh, picked Auburn over Tennessee uh, after after taking official visits to both of those schools the the previous two weekends, and uh, you know, like you said, for months really leading up to to that announcement, Tennessee was was 
I mean, not just thought to be the favorite. They were the favorite. Uh, he, he admitted that even going into his official visit to Auburn last weekend, that he was still leaning toward Tennessee. Uh, but it was during that official visit. And, and he'd been to Auburn twice before, including for the uh, on an unofficial visit for the Mississippi State game at Auburn on September 28th uh, during Tennessee's open date. And that that visit, I think, kind of opened his eyes to Auburn a little bit more, and they, they became a little bit more of a factor when some other teams you know, started to fade. And, and when Tennessee got off to a, a little bit of a shaky start, I think that also gave Auburn more of an opening to, to make a move there. And then uh, it, things got a little more interesting down the stretch, but it still looked like Tennessee was was going to be the choice. They had sort of ride the ship uh, during the season and, and you know addressed any concerns he might have had about the direction on the field uh, of where, where Tennessee was headed. And then, you know, that, that visit to Auburn just, just changed things. And he said he actually made his decision. Uh, he kind of knew he wanted to go there Saturday during his official visit to Auburn when he saw, um, of all things, I've never heard this from a recruit, their walkthrough in the hotel. Um, a lot of teams have walkthroughs in, indoors in the hotel before they go over to the stadium on, on game day or the night before. Weird flex. And, yeah, he, he said it was just sort of the emotion that they, that they worked with during that walkthrough. And – uh, that it's, it's an interesting explanation. Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes you just feel it, I guess, as a recruit, and, and you never and, and you can't always quantify the reason. But he he said that sort of reminded him of his own team and the way they practice, the way they work. So he, it made him think, you know, I can make a, a smooth transition here, and it'll, it'll feel a lot like Macaulay, uh, the Macaulay School, where he goes in Chattanooga. So um, he said he told Gus Malzahn on Sunday before he left that visit, and then he pretty much kept it to himself, with the exception of a few very close people that he felt he could trust to keep it quiet and you know he, he I, I think led Tennessee to believe that he was still going to pick Tennessee don't like that I, I don't, don't I don't like that at all but I don't think he had a lot of communication with Tennessee's staff uh down the stretch uh leading up to Wednesday which I think it, it, at least maybe raised some antenna some antenna a, a little bit to to say hey maybe there's a, a chance something's up here but no one really knew for sure and then Wednesday morning after I arrived at Macaulay, we started to hear a little bit of last-minute buzz, which you sometimes do in these situations. I haven't covered many of these, but I've seen where other people in our network have covered announcements, and they'll, you know, in the last couple hours or last 30 minutes before an announcement, you start to hear something, and that's what that, happened here. The one, I, when I went down to cover Von Bell's yeah. uh, decision, that was the, the same thing. You kind of started hearing an, an OSU buzz yep. right and, before. And that was one where, yeah, people went into the night before signing day thinking it was, it was you know, Good chance it was still Tennessee, but that was that was a pretty wide open battle. This one was one where it was you know for a while it really was Tennessee, and you know I think he had on, on multiple occasions given Tennessee staff a pretty good indication that he was coming, and you know just things changed when he went went back down to Auburn. That's why you're always worried. I mean, you always say any visit is worth watching, even when things appear to be you know leaning toward a certain school. Any, any visit, especially that close to the early signing period or National Signing Day, is is, is noteworthy. So. Auburn, Auburn gets him down there, uh, changes his mind while he's there, essentially, and, and by Sunday he's, he's telling Gus Malzahn he's, he's coming and, and decide to stick with it. But you know, to me, this, this was such a quick change in his recruitment that I wonder if this still isn't over. You know, he says he's shutting things down I'm, now. I, I don't, Ryan, I know probably 1% about this, this kid and his recruitment as you do, but I'm just telling you, after, after a kid takes eight visits to Tennessee and he's from Chattanooga, a town that usually gets players to Tennessee, uh, surrounded by Tennessee fans, th- they're not going to give up on this thing without yeah. a fight at all. They're going to keep – I mean, I'm just guessing they're oh. going to fight this thing tooth and nail down to the stretch. For sure. Now, that, now there's one school of thought that says, okay, you got all these visits. You had him essentially 
ready to jump in the boat at, you know, for a few months and he just didn't. Um, so you, you had him in, in position to land him. And for whatever reason, he was still hesitant to announce anything publicly. And then when he f- goes to Auburn a couple of times, he just uh, you know decides to go ahead and commit there. Something, something clearly was might just be off. where he feels more comfortable. Yeah. And, and, and he said Wednesday that, you know, that he acknowledged there's, there's maybe still a slight chance he'll, he'll consider other schools and that Tennessee still might have a slight opening, but he, he said, most likely he thinks he'll stick with Auburn. Now you always think that when you announce a decision, but Hey, signing day is almost three months away and it's worth noting. He does plan to sign in February for whatever reason he said his parents right now want him to do that. So even though he's not going to take other visits, he's not going to look around, he says, but he is going to wait until February as of right now to sign. That gives you another month. Gives you plenty of time to, to still work on this. So as long as, as long as, you know, and, and this interesting that this topic came up this week uh, with Aubrey Solomon talking with reporters. You know, he mentioned that one of the things that he took note of when he went to Michigan was that Jeremy Pruitt was one of the coaches that basically handled it the best, um, that didn't didn't freak out, didn't, you know, bash his decision. And, and essentially, Said, hey, I'm still, phone, I'm still one phone call away if you yeah. need me. I don't and, know if that was, only Pruitt will know if that was strategy or right. if that was genuine. Yeah, and... and I guess. Genuine, not genuine. <laughs> maybe I was a, about to say Aziz and Terry over here. Maybe a little I have a song pony on the on the mind. Tom Haverford. What would was Pruitt and else get about it? I it's think it's been in my week. It's, it's been funny. In my head all week. I thought about that last night uh, on on Tuesday night too because uh, our our good friend, our former colleague, uh, Beef Parker, was at the basketball game shooting some pictures and doing some stuff. And uh, every time uh, I see Beef, I think about when That's he Danny Parker. Time, he was dancing to. Uh, Dancing to uh, Genuine's uh, pony on the uh, dance floor where we were at a bar one night. <laughs> Ryan, go ahead. We interrupted Throw, you. Throwback, throwback. Go ahead. Uh, but uh, so, well, Pruitt would have been at what Alabama at the time when yeah. he was recruiting Solomon. Yes. So yeah, that's uh, I mean a little bit easier to take a loss when you're at Alabama when you probably got four other blue chip players at that position. You could theoretically land the way they recruit. But but yeah, this this one stings for Tennessee. But I was going to say as long as they you know if if they handle things that way if they you know maintain a good relationship and nobody gets any hurt feelings about this and you keep the lines of communication open i do think there is still a chance for tennessee to, to flip this one because you, you clearly had him on the verge of committing for a while so uh things changed in a matter of a few days who's to Pruitt, say this Pruitt isn't stays classy with kids he he does he, he he you know he and he tells them things like hey man i i wish i'd have had you but i'm proud of you anyway i mean he says stuff like it's that. like you said wednesday on on when he's asked about it on the teleconference he said you want to win them all, but you're not going to. Yeah. Um, and so you just you congratulate them or wish them well and move on. Or you congratulate them, wish them well, and say, hey, we're going to keep recruiting you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is still a long way till February. and Congratulations. Enjoy uh, your day, son, but we're going to keep hassling and I'm, you. You know, the silly season is what it is. Yes. So things could change. Still a lot of football left for, for both Tennessee and Auburn. And at the end of the day, it's a it's a guy 90 minutes from Knoxville whose brother played at t- or Tennessee, you know, Kevin Cooper, the former Tennessee fullback with his brother. There, there are multiple reasons this one might not be over yet. I mean, but what, obviously, what if Malzahn goes to Florida State? I mean, anything's possible. You know? Or they, or they lose the last couple games of the year, and there's you know hot seat talk and all that stuff. That there seems to be all the time with Gus Malzahn at yeah, Auburn. He's I either mean, getting an ex- he's either getting a stupid extension or he's stupidly on the hot seat. Yeah. So I mean, it, so so we'll see. But I, I, the fact that he's not completely closing the door on that, you know, I I I at least see a small opening for Tennessee. I wouldn't recommend people expecting a flip, but I do think this is one where because Tennessee was in such good shape with him for such a long time and it changed so quickly, you know, it's not like he even had a couple of weeks to sit around and think about it before he announced. He announced it two days after his official visit to Auburn. So this this has the makings of one that could be sort of an emotional decision to where maybe he, you know, a couple months he has different thoughts about it and we'll just have to see how it goes. 
So Ryan, who uh, who are some of the other guys that now become priorities if yes. if Hardy doesn't? Good question. Pat. Wind up, yeah, uh, getting back into the fold somehow. Well, so I I think it obviously starts as it has for a while with Omari Thomas. Um, and this remember going into this uh, the last several months after Tennessee offered Trayvon Ribka back in February, um, you know they they sort of pointed to Hardy. Uh, along with uh, along with Amari Thomas and Trayvon Ripka, along with Tyler Barron, because he's kind of in that defensive line uh, group, even though he could be an edge rusher at outside linebacker. But those four guys, they, they've sort of had their sights set on them, and they're still battling for two of them, Amari Thomas and Tyler Barron, but they've now missed on two. Um, they really don't need to strike out on that. I mean, that's a really good group of guys in state. They need to take advantage of that. They had a, had a couple of noteworthy misses on the defensive line last year, Zion Logue and, and Bill Norton going to Georgia. Um, these guys, I, th- I think, and a couple of them at least are even better than those two. So Is that Brian Niedermeyer's music I hear? <laughs> well, he, he, he's been involved in, in recruiting Tyler Barron. He, he's not been as involved with guys like uh, Omari Thomas. That's, that's uh, Coach David Johnson, uh, Yak Johnson, his, his territory over there in Memphis. Uh, multiple guys involved with him, though, and then send in the moose. Yeah, Jay, Jay Hardy, you know Kevin Shearer and uh, and Derek Ansley, Tracy Rocker. A lot of guys have been involved there, so it's been a group effort. But they're they're going to have to make a serious push for Amari Thomas because it's been a Tennessee Ole Miss battle lately, and I, I don't see that changing. Tennessee still has a shot in that one, but Ole Miss, o- Ole Miss, I think because of distance concerns, has been better positioned in that one than people might think. Gotta and then, think Tennessee's in a more secure position right now than Ole well, Miss is probably right. Cu- couple things, I mean, proximity to home, I think, has become a bigger deal to to Amari Thomas's family than than it was at one point. That, sure. that sometimes can happen later in a player's recruitment, and he's got a really close friend going back, you know, ten years or more. Uh, in Jabari Small, the three-star all-purpose back who's committed to Ole Miss, uh, and, and those guys are, have made it clear all along they're very interested in playing together. They're not dead set on it, but very interested in playing together. So, um, and, and, hey, Jabari Small came along with Amari Thomas on Amari's official visit to Tennessee. So um, they, they clearly are still interested in going to the same school, whether that's Tennessee, Ole Miss, or whatever. So that that's that that becomes a really important recruitment for Tennessee, even more so because I I, I don't think you can afford to go for three on those guys in state in such a good year for defensive linemen in this state when that's a big need for Tennessee and has been for a couple of years. Um, beyond that, Octavius Oxendine from Kentucky remains. What a name! Yeah. It is a good name. One and, of the uh, one of the best in the class. And, and a recurring theme that we'll that we're exploring this week in a story on GoVols twenty four seven that you'll see um, maybe by the time this podcast is uh, is is posted on the site. A, that's what we call a tease in the business, yeah. folks. Teaser. This, but a recurring theme that you don't always see a lot, Tennessee and Kentucky going head-to-head for recruits, and that's happened a lot this year. And Tyler Barron is one of those guys. It looks like a Tennessee-Kentucky battle right now. Octavius Oxendine is one of those guys. It's been a Tennessee-Kentucky battle for months. So uh, they've already lost Trayvon Ribka to Kentucky. Um, they, they've, they lost Justin Rogers, a five-star defensive line target earlier this year that looked like he was on the verge of committing to Tennessee, ends up at Kentucky instead. So... They, they've got to start winning some of these battles, obviously, because defensive line is, is an area where they, they've turned out better on the field than they looked like they were going to be this year. But they've just they've struggled to land these elite guys that they've wanted the last couple of years, and they need to change that. Two, two thoughts on the Kentucky thing. First of all, I think that's a credit to the job Mark Stoops has done yep. with that program because you, you get better, you slowly get better, then you have the breakthrough season, and now you're trying to build off of it and, and kind of keep the – the theme going and you know if Kentucky beats Tennessee Saturday night they have a great chance of winning eight games I don't think anybody thought going into the season they would win eight games yep 
Um, the other thing is that you, you're, if you're Tennessee, your defensive line situation, you really like what you've gotten out of that group this season. Uh, and it, they arguably could be better up front next year with Emmett Gooden coming back, uh, second year with Aubrey Solomon, Daryl Middleton, some of those guys. But uh, the problem is, is next season you're going to have seven seniors on your defensive line. And so yep. that's why you need to get the next some, generation. That's why you need some, some guys this year who, uh, even if they're big-time players, don't necessarily have to come in and play a lot. You can redshirt them. Uh, you can play them in, you know, four games, what have you, develop them, and then, you know, have them ready to go for when you have a lot of uh, playing time at hand uh, in 2021. 20, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I had to think about that. Crazy to throw out that year number. Hashtag math. Yeah. That's, you know, sports writers are known for their math skills generally. We're really good at that. But but as far as decision go, decisions go, that's one of the the bigger surprises we've had in, in recent memory involving a Tennessee target. They're, they're, they're always one or two here or there, but to, for one that – Tennessee looked like it was on the verge of landing and then didn't get an announcement like that. A legacy kid, too. The, I mean, yeah. The other thought about Kentucky is that you, you think about how, you know, they're winning games with not these highly ranked recruiting classes. Yeah. So Stoops and those guys know how to evaluate. And if you're going after some of the same guys they are, that's probably says something good about your evaluation. Oh, yeah. Abilities. I yeah. know Tennessee fans look at Kentucky, roll their eyes, all that stuff. But you gotta give you got to give that program credit where it's gotten to the point now where it's a competitive program and it looks so, like they're – in position to sustain it, unless yeah, Mark Stoops goes for state. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said <laughs> that's this. That's the big unless. I, I said this on a, on a different radio show this week. Um, I think the 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 serious take someone I was talking to those guys, and, and I said basically that <clears throat> one of the things I really like about Jeremy Pruitt. There's a few things I really like about him. One of them is that if he likes a player and wants to offer a player, he does not give a flip who else wants that player. If he sees what he likes in a player and says, "I like that guy." I mean, hey, look at the running back that you know the the the, the Alabama running back from Oklahoma that that went there and you know Jacobs, you know Josh per, Jacobs, yeah, the first per, round pick. Per went in there and was like, hey, um, you guys really need to look at this guy. He's really really good. Didn't have any other big offers, um, but you know, hey, he was he said I like that guy and and uh, and he ended up being very very correct. So I I think it, it's not like an apocalyptic scenario if, if they strike out on some of these guys, but. That does mean that that you have to rely on your coaching acumen and you really and your scouting acumen and you really really have to hope that you peg guys who have high upside and and you can develop them because you, you you need to be good. You're seeing that with this team this season. When Tennessee early in the season was bad up front on both sides, uh, Tennessee was a bad football team. Tennessee has gotten better on both sides, drastically better up front as the season has progressed, and Tennessee suddenly is a much better football team. So it 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 you can see how big of a deal it poor, is. Poor uh, poor Kyrie Miller. Yeah, his his commitment <laughs> just completely got overshadowed by Jay Hardy. It really did spurning the balls for Auburn. Uh, That's and, true. So that, and that kid could block out the sun. He's pretty large. They, yeah. yeah, they added a three hundred seventy pound offensive lineman on Tuesday, and and. You know, uh, I think a lot of people were sort of sort of surprised by that one. But, you know, Tennessee had him on an official visit last weekend, and uh, he's a teammate uh, – added bonus, he's a teammate of a longtime Tennessee target, Ty Jordan, three-star running back who's committed to Texas that Tennessee's still been recruiting. So maybe that one opens the door That's for Tennessee. That's a really little guy and a really, really big guy. That is, yeah, and they're and they're close friends. And it's kind of an odd pairing. Like, there, like but... a Schwarzenegger-DeVito <laughs> twins situation there. But, yeah, so maybe that opens the door for Tennessee to address another need there. But, yeah, they, they've at least gotten some good news this week, and all is not lost on the recruiting trail. I know people were sort of upset naturally by losing out on a guy like Jay Hardy, at least for now. But, you know, there's they still got plenty of good names left on the board, and they've still got a shot to finish strong. Let's see where it ends. Let's see where it ends. That's what matters. And really what matters is in three years when they you see what they end up looking like. Guys, we're going to step away again. We're going to pay some bills. We're going to listen to some, some products and some services and some in-house ads and all those other fun things. And we're going to come back 
and we're going to, as always, on Thursday mornings, we're going to take your questions from GoVols 24-7's checkerboard. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a moment ago unless you hit the fast-forward button, which is your right, but we would we would prefer that you that you not do that. To um, the questions, shall to we? To the questions, as always. We're going to start. Where, where do we always start? <laughs> Haynes 62, as always. Of course, it's funny because below that, Titan Titan Blue GoVols thought he had the first question. He thought uh, wrong. But he didn't because he got he got pipped. He got Wally pipped there by, uh, by Haynes 62, as always, who uh, said, what is the average age of Kentucky's offensive line? And, and here you go. As far as I can tell, uh, this is a pretty decently – uh, aged Kentucky offensive line, much like a bourbon, you could say. Uh, left tackle, they get to see. I'll go left to right here. If the most recent depth chart that I have is correct, they're going fourth year junior, fifth year senior, fourth year junior, fourth year junior, true sophomore across the front. So, a couple, a couple more former four stars in there too, potentially. Yeah, yeah, some a uh, couple, a couple, a couple of nice prospects in there, and that to me is where Kentucky has made the most progress by far in the Stoops era. They have developed, they have recruited smart, they have developed kind of big, strong. They're, they're big. I mean, Trey Smith was talking about the size of Kentucky's defensive line. I'm telling you, Kentucky's defensive line has some absolute they, guys who blot out the sun. Their big guy up front, I think, is Quentin Bohanna, who's from Memphis. Yep. I think, yep, played at Cordova, right, Ryan? Uh, yes. So yeah. he, he'll, he'll know Carvin and mm-hmm. RIP Jeremy Banks. That was a guy I thought Tennessee's old staff should have recruited. Yeah, um, Jeremy Banks tweeting pictures to, of him. Jeremy Banks tweeting pictures this week of him uh, smiling with some law enforcement two officials. two of Kentucky's offensive linemen named Drake? And they're Drake Jackson, is, Drake Young, both yes, former four yep. stars. Yes, yes. And then the guard Stenberg is all SEC caliber. I think he might have been in a preseason all SEC guys. Yeah, so they got some player. guys up front. We do need to mention though quickly that 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 picture of Jeremy Banks with the local with some police officers what does it mean? smiling. But what does it mean? We that, need Grant here. We need Ramey. But what does it mean? He'll be here next second. He'll he'll be here to talk about some hoops here in a minute. But I thought that was a. Uh, that was interesting. Wonder what that means. Uh, let's see here. Next question. We'll go. Well, we've already answered this one. Uh, Vol for Life ninety four asks, "What's the deal with the lack of being able to recruit at the D line?" We have already discussed that. We'll go to Vol for Life ninety four. Well, uh, just just quickly to add, it's tough to land those guys. I mean, in state you need to win those more of those battles, but just in general, that's a tough position because everybody's going for the same thirty guys a lot of times. Uh, question: Vol for Life ninety four. Kroger Field is a terrible name for a stadium. What's your favorite name of any stadium and least favorite name? I like this question. Um, any sport or just I, I like football? he said any sport I like how in soccer or foot, football football um, they have the name of the stadium that the club plays at and then they'll say like the name of the stadium club like yes. Liverpool plays at a place called Anfield and so mm-hmm. they are, they're usually referred to in sports writing and on you know, the Anfield club so if you if we're applying that to Tennessee it'd be like the Neyland Stadium Club yes which also sounds like a there's some like good, a, like some club seats at the stadium. Man, there's some there's some good um, ones in 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 the Premier League. And, and I think my least league. favorite one was uh, what was it? Uh, it's it's one of the ones that uh, 
that the state the Titan Stadium was named. They've had so many names there. Adelphia Coliseum, Nissan, maybe uh, LP Field. LP Field. No. That's <laughs> did not like that one. I mean, you got some great ones, and you got Old Trafford, Stamford Bridge, Turf Moor. I think Wrigley Field's a terrible name for. A... <laughs> Why? Why would you say that? Actually, um, a couple of my fa- a couple of my favorite stadium names are are in college baseball. Uh, Stanford's Sunken Diamond is one of my favorites, and LSU's Alex Box Stadium is is a really a good a really good name too. I, I like those a lot. Um, I hard not to like Lambeau Field. That one just has yeah. Maybe the NFL Films has immortalized that one so much, but that one that one always Sol- miss, Soldier Field too always has sounded really cool to I me. I miss when the Pyramid Memphis had sports in it. Um, now it has just a, the pyramid. Now it has the Bass Pro Shops in it or whatever. <laughs> it has what is not in there. Is it, I think they put everything else in there, but uh, like a sports arena. But that's where the Grizzlies started. That's where uh, Bass basketball used to call it the Tomb of Doom. Yeah, Memphis Pharaohs played there. Great, arena football league. Great idea to build a build a build a pyramid in Memphis. It's yeah. it, it, it makes a lot of sense. You got to like um, I, Fenway Park to me has a has just a cool sound yeah, it to does. it. it. And does. then uh, Rose Bowl. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with the Rose Bowl. Um, and then I. There's there's another side to the favorites. I, I think some of the newer sponsorship names are just ridiculous on some of these stadiums. So my favorite is probably Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago, especially when you look at the logo. It's just insane. The, yeah. uh, the we uh, put out our bowl projection roundup of the week, and apparently they name renamed the Gator Bowl Stadium TIA Bank Field or something. It's it's, yes. it's up there too. Dumb. KFC Yum Center is also they should, an all-timer. They should have named it, they should have named it uh, TD Bank after the, the Joe yes. Letterkenny. That would, yes. have been, that Next. would have been fantastic. I will say that uh, Next, Wes. I, I'm almost done. Florida's uh, Florida's O-Dome now being called something else is... Uh, like Discotech Arena or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so stupid. Cause exact it, cause Tech Because it's, it's the O-Dome. It's Exact Tech Arena at the Stephen C. O'Connell Center now. Oh, that's ridiculous. I just still call it the O-Dome, and they can, they can KMA if they don't like it. Basically, that's my... That's my thoughts on that. Uh, question from Rocky Top Dad: Lynn Bowden Jr. or Jawan Jennings at quarterback? Who do you take? I don't know. Bowden's been pretty productive, or Bowden's been pretty productive, but I'm not betting against the dog. I, the the dog know. actually came into Tennessee as a dual threat quarterback, or Juice was, Man, as he's uh, is preferring to be yeah, called now. And he was a he was a top five, top six, top seven uh, dual threat quarterback prospect nationally coming into Tennessee. I I mean I I he was I, ranked I, higher than uh, Lamar Jackson. Unpopular opinion here. At quarterback, I'm taking Bowden because of the speed. I think he's faster than Jennings. You contrarian. And no, I'm just I'm just being. I think I think Bowden. Callahan has Bowden, entered, the, entered the chat. Bowden is is a little faster. I think. I, I mean Jennings for what all he does well is not a burner, and I, I think he's a more valuable weapon at receiver. So I, just as quarterback, give me Bowden. Question from Knoxville 31. Predict next year's regular season record under the following two scenarios. One, Tennessee wins its remaining three games and dominates its opponent in a bowl game. Scenario two, Tennessee loses to Kentucky uh, and Mizzou, beats Vandy, finishes 5-7, and seven, no bowl. I don't think either necessarily has an impact on next season's record, if I'm just being totally honest with you. I would agree. Maybe it matters a little bit, so you get a couple more recruits than you would have. Maybe one of them makes a difference or something. I mean, I, maybe, but I don't. I don't see a a connection there. I mean, obviously, next season we know the out of conference game is a tough game, um, and, and you know you're playing Bama, which is a tough game. You know you're playing Georgia, which is a tough game. Um, Could be seven or eight, probably seven, five, eight, and four. I mean, you got to play Oklahoma. Yeah. Then you got Georgia away. Yeah. You get Alabama, and Florida at home. It's true. Uh, it is Florida though, so we know how that tends to go. But um, but, but the other game is the other non. Uh, the other the other SEC West game is Arkansas. So you you hope to who knows will be who knows who who will be coaching Arkansas at that point. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see what the, or what or if they will have won an SEC game 
You know, a lot of that depends I mean, on like what happens. Game, I have like really long SEC losing streak. Like I think I think Trey I think Trey Smith probably if I had to guess will go pro. I'm just guessing right now. Uh, why wouldn't he at this point? Just go ahead and take your chances while you're healthy. Uh, you know that that would have an impact up front. Even though I still think they'll be okay on both lines of scrimmage. Emmett Gooden comes back. That's nice. I I think eight wins is reasonable. To, to think about next, next I think this team also loses next things though. Next, uh, well, of course it does. Ryan it does every year. That's just, the nature just, of the sport. Just saying, I, you remember like Butch used to say, you, the great thing about college football is you have to replace a thirty-year roster every year. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Blake Digits is Lexington one of the worst places to go cover a football game this time of year? This time of year, yes. I actually yeah. kind of like it's all right. The press now box is okay. Yeah, I mean, now the, the press, press box, box is, is nice now. Kentucky yeah. as a state is terrible. Oh no, it's not. It's where my mom's family's from. That's where half my people are from. That makes it good. You'd be it's polite. a dreary, cloudy, cold state. The sun never shines for 10 months a year. It's too close to Ohio where it's nothing but gray. It's actually, I think, warmer in Ohio, believe it or not. Which SEC school is your least favorite to go Bandy. to cover the Vols? No question in my mind. With all apologies to the good people at Columbia West. Missouri is not an SEC place. I don't care what anybody says. It's Bandy, just Bandy, not. Bandy. It's too far away. Um, South Carolina for me. Oh, I got South Carolina. Is, I mean, Columbia is just like crappy Knoxville. It's not. It's not bad. It's, I, mean, I don't know. That stadium's. It, that stadium's not exciting because it's on well, fairgrounds. You, 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 you got to go see in-laws when you go to Missouri too, Ryan. You ought to. That ought to knock it down on your list. I, I, I don't hate that trip because I don't hate St. Louis. So we get to go through St. Louis, and that's that's always armpit of America. Question from AO Maine. This question may be a month or two early, but how likely is this staff to stay the way it currently looks? Consistency is paramount at this point. Uh, and, and also, why does Lane Kiffin love Tennessee so much? Are we the girl who always think, regret breaking think, up with? Think, the answer to that second question is yes. Tennessee, Lane Kiffin 100% regrets leaving Tennessee. That's 100% true. Well, uh, about the staff question, there are three coaches that have expiring contracts yes. at the end of this season. Uh, they run out in January. That is uh, Tracy Rocker, Chris Winkie, and David Yak Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, who has done some good recruiting work in Memphis, it should be noted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you're gonna- and, and and if Pruitt feels that there are places he can upgrade the staff, as we saw last year, he will find a way to do it. He's also going to have to keep uh, paying Brian Niedermeyer more money, and he's going to have to eventually give him a better title than defense uh, tight ends coach. He's going to have to bump that guy up because other people are going to come calling. Uh, question, Gaffney, VFL 89, do you think Tennessee still makes the NCAA tournament without Plavsic? I say yes, but it is close. Uh, that depends on how those uh, how they figure out how to play in the front court without him. I think the backcourt guys will be fine, but that that's that. Uh, question, Ryan, how do you feel about recruiting for the Vols at the current state? Actually, we've already discussed that. Not as bad as most fans do right now. It'll be fine. Uh, Haynes 62, question, Cash Daniels, Jawan Jennings, hand-to-hand combat, who wins? Dog. You go with dog on that one? I go with Cash dog. Is dog Cash, is always the answer. Cash is bigger. Cash he's is not bigger. the dog. He's and not he the also, juice man. He also fights dirty. He fights dirty. We know that. You don't I, think Jawan would fight dirty if he needed to? I think if someone fought dirty with Juwan, he Juwan would fight dirty back. I, I would go with Juwan, but I think it's close. Uh, question, Rocky Top Dab, will, will Garantano have more passing yards than Bowden Jr. has rushing yards on Saturday? What a freaking excellent question. Shoot, I would probably lean towards no, just because I don't know if Garantano's going to play all, mm. none, or some of the game. Very good question. I think probably no, um, but yeah, that's that's where I am. Get, right I'll take Garantano. I think he, Contrarian. call me crazy, I think he starts this game. No, he's going to play. There's no doubt about it. He ends up playing in every game. Question on it now. What are your most and least favorite things about covering Tennessee? We're not answering that. Let's just skip it. <laughs> we don't need to go there. <laughs> I, I enjoy much that's more. That's a separate podcast for the summer. Ah, that's a good idea. I enjoy much more of it than I don't, though. That's the answer there. Uh, but we will get to that 98 now. We the, will get to that later. That's, fan, that could be its own podcast. The fan base and facilities make it a fun place to cover games. Uh, question, Rocky Top. Dad, give me some bad medical advice for curing that's, cat that's scratch That's not a question. Fever. Move on. <laughs> Pat, 
Fine. He, he's wanting to skip all these. Uh, run through the T. Who are the three best defensive linemen at Tennessee, regardless of position? If you count Daryl Taylor as one, I'll go Taylor. I will go uh, Aubrey Solomon, and I will go right now maybe Darrell Middleton. I, I'll take Greg Emerson, and um, I, or if we're counting Taylor, I, he's a bit of a he's an outside linebacker. Yeah. Question. I, I'm Quite. counting him out, so I'll say I'll say Emerson. Everybody plays nickel. He's more of a defensive end. Anyway. I'll say I'll say Emerson, Aubrey Solomon, and Middleton's playing a lot better in recent yeah, years. Yeah, I, I maybe go Middleton. Question: right now. Run through the T. How much room is there in the dojo? Well, if Tennessee not keeps getting not, not a ton of four and five stars, there's going to be a ton of room in the dojo for ninjas. <laughs> but if they if they get some more of these four and five star guys, there won't be as much room in the dojo because you have to be a three star or lower. Uh, just one more question here: uh, What do you think of the NFL's thoughts are on drafting Trey Smith this year? I think they will draft him. I think because of his medical advice, he will be lower than than he wants to be. But I think he will still stick and he will be fine. Teams will be. They have figured all of that out. Teams will be pouring over those medical records looking for explanations and answers and all sorts of stuff. Guys, we got to, thanks for your questions as always. We're going to take a break. We're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to some ads, ads, products, services, in house ads, all those things. We're going to come back and we're going to be talking a little Tennessee basketball with our resident quasi moron, Grant Ramey. Be back in just one second. Hashtag ad. Welcome back to the Govals 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey coming to you now, not from Fort Rucker Studio, but actually from the Anderson Training Center, uh, which is not where Tennessee plays basketball. It's where Tennessee practices football, but we're here in this segment to talk a little basketball. Tennessee opened the regular season Tuesday night with a 78-63 to win over UNC Asheville. I won't call it the most convincing performance I've ever seen, but Tennessee was up by 25 points before kind of backing off, playing some some backups down the bench, and, and then backing up a little bit. And USC, UNC Asheville, I think, ended the game on a 12-2 to run. Grant, what were the overall thoughts on the performance? I, you know, I, I didn't think it was great. Uh, I think there were certainly some things to, to be concerned about, but I, I think people might be making a little bit too much out of one game. Yeah, I mean, people like to react, and it's certainly a small sample size. Uh, sloppiness in the first half. Uh, I think the biggest theme through these two times we've seen them in the exhibition game in the season opener, uh, 10 combined turnovers uh, in each game from Jordan Bowden and Lamonte Turner. Uh, those are your most experienced guards. Obviously, you can't have that. And I, I didn't see the broadcast of the game, but uh, people are talking about how mad Rick Barnes was at halftime against UNC Asheville when they had 12 turnovers in the first half, and I think seven of them came from Bowden and Turner. Uh, but, you know, they take care of business, and it was a 20-point game uh, pretty early in the second half after Asheville had it down to six, so that's a good response. Uh, and there were positives. I mean, uh, look what they got out of Devontae Gaines, nine points in ten minutes. He looks really comfortable on the floor as a – as a true freshman, that's not something I was expecting. I think Olivier Camois has done stuff that's uh, at least impressive to Rick Barnes because he complimented him after the game, and, and you don't hear a ton of that uh, from Rick post-game. He's usually more critical than he is uh, heaping praise on people. So uh, there are some bright spots. they got to clean it up. And you look at Lamonte and Bowden, they've been here so long that you would expect them to kind of get their stuff together uh, as time goes on. But this team's – there's so many questions about this team. It's going to take so long to answer them. Uh, that not nearly enough one game sample size to kind of figure out what's going on with this team and what direction they're heading, but uh, some, some good and some bad. 
Yeah, I would say that, you know, it was interesting that Rick Barnes offered an opening statement after the game. I wrote that in my column that I'm not sure people understand how rare it is for Rick Barnes to go out there and offer an opening statement. Normally, he has a pretty good routine, kind of one of his quirks of he doesn't offer an opening statement. He just kind of throws it out there for questions. And then no matter what you ask him for the first question, he's going to give what would be an opening statement for most coaches. So he may answer the question uh, that, that you asked, but he probably won't because he's going to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. This was different. Rick Barnes was so irritated with, with Turner and Bowden that he came out there and offered an opening statement saying basically the crowd was great and my senior guards were not. Um, but, but when I thought about that a little bit more, you know, after the game for about half an hour, kind of before I wrote that column. I, I think when you look at it, to me, it makes a lot of sense because these guys know exactly how much this team needs them. There, there's no mystery about that, you know, especially uh, with the Euros Placid situation, which I guess we can discuss here in a little bit. But the bottom line is there's no update there. And, and without him, you know, I think you have to assume at this point that he won't be eligible. And then if you win the appeal, that's good. But regardless, they were going to put a lot on those senior guards anyway. Now they're going to put not everything – but darn near everything on these guys. And I think they know that. And I think when you go into a season and you know you have to be great for your team to be great, when you know you have to go out there and do your job, that affects you. And I think to me it makes a lot of sense because they're out there. They don't necessarily know who's out there with them. Things are a little bit different these days. They're getting used to some things. I don't think it's surprising that they didn't start the season the way they wanted to. I think that they're probably pressing a little bit, and they'll be fine. I, you know, I don't know that either one of them is going to be like you know, a Koozie or Naismith or Wooden Award winner, but they're both really good basketball players. They're both all-conference caliber players. And I just, I've seen these guys too long. We've known them too long. You know, Lamonte Turner for five years now, Bowden for four. And I just think when the time comes, they're going to be okay. I, I know that I get why Barnes feels the way he does about it, and I get why he wanted to come out and say that. But for some reason, that's not really on my radar. I'm not really concerned about what these guys will do, you know, as the season progresses. I think they'll get themselves sorted out. Yeah, and as experienced as they are, uh, it would hard to be more experienced than, than what you got out of a fifth-year guy in, a, a, in Lamonte and a four-year guy in Jordan who has played so much as a freshman all the way through now. They're inexperienced in the fact that the offense has never gone through them. They've never been 1A and 1B. Uh, they've scored a ton of points. They've done a lot of big stuff and big moments for this program over the years. But it's different when every possession is going through you and the ball's in your hands and you got to find the right person at the right time keep the offense flowing it's it's such a pass first pass heavy offense to to create shots for other people and not only are you inexperienced in that that way that you've never been the focal point of this team you're also trying to adjust to an Olivia Camois that you've never played with before Devontae Gaines that you've never played with before Drew Pember uh, John Fulkerson's in a bigger role Eve Pons has kind of sh shifted down to the four and he's in a different role so it's, they are experienced, but I think a lot of the turnovers can kind of come from this team trying to figure out what it is uh, and those guys trying to force what it is and trying to kind of learn on the fly as well and try to kind of gain experience in that being that central focus and learning that you can't throw the ball away. You have to take care of the ball because the ball is in your hand so much. Yeah, I think that, that it's a learning experience when you when you become the focal point of an offense. But and, and I'm not minimizing the 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 fact that that they may not you know go out there and be 20 point per game guys or anything like that. You know, I, I'm I'm not saying that that's automatically going to happen. I just think 
when they know exactly how much is on them, I think that kind of puts a, a pressure on yourself that, that maybe these guys haven't felt before. You know, Bowden's never been a guy, especially Bowden, who's had to go out there and, and sort of know that he's got to score 15-plus points a night maybe. You know, he's always kind of been a guy who he'll shoot it when it's in rhythm, when he's in the right place at the right time. Uh, but he won't go out there and force it. And I think there's times this year – you saw it again in that game. He only had, I think, 10, 12 points. He, he didn't take a lot of shots. He turned down some shots, and he was aggressive early, but then he stopped being aggressive, and that's going to be new for him. He's going to have to go out there and do that. That's going to be an issue, uh, I think, with Bowden, that they're going to have to stay on him about that. Now, with Turner, uh, we've seen him take and make big shots. We've seen him have, have big, explosive games before, so he's going to be a guy who can do that. I'm not that concerned about that, but I think it's, it's natural when you're playing that many minutes and, and you're having to do that much on both ends of the floor, and, and you're, you're all of a sudden there's no bone there to take the pressure off of you there, there's no Bowden or you know there, there's no Schofield or, or Grant Williams to go in there and and kind of get a bucket when you really need one sometimes it's going to be you having to create the bucket yourself uh, but I, I I guess I totally understand why Barnes is furious with them right now uh, even though he loves both of them very much uh, as people as players as all that stuff they're very close but I, I think they'll come good I, I'm not that concerned about that I think the bigger concern for me is just what they're going to do in the front court uh, you, you saw it again that there were times. Now, they did, in fairness, uh, they didn't play very well against Asheville. They rebounded the ball very well. Uh, they were up, I think, 30 to 12 at the half uh, in rebounding. They finished with, I think, more, you know, nearly a 30-point rebounding margin. So, so they did their job in that way, and Asheville did have a couple of big guys. Um, but there are going to be times where they're going to be pushed off the spot a little bit this season. There's going to be times where teams kind of can outmuscle them if, if you don't have seven-foot-one human wall, human mountain, man-mountain, Euros plastic in there. You're going to have, you know, Fulkerson at the five. Uh, you're you're going to have Eve Pond at the four, and as strong as he is, uh, he's still six-foot-six. And, you know, when Pember gets healthy, he's going to be out there at 6'9". He's a beanpole. You know, Camwa's got a lot of ability, but he's also 6'8". And he's going to have to play the five some. We saw that. So, um, there, to me, there are real concerns there because they're going to have to go out there and play small ball. They're going to start four guards every game. And there are going to be times where you could really say they kind of have three guards and two wings out there on the floor as their team. You know, so, the, you know, they had a couple almost five-guard-looking lineups. And, and they're going to have to do that. And that means team rebounding is, is going to have to be – crucial that means every little box out is going to matter uh, and that means that John Fulkerson's got to go out there and be productive he can't go out there and get in foul trouble he can't go out there and and make some of those kind of boneheaded plays we see out of him occasionally he, he's got to have a different role but what I did like Grant I I really like I think that move to the four position could be a really good thing for Eve Pond you know he grew up playing center like most kids do at this level because he was so tall. Uh, he's comfortable down there. He knows he's one of the strongest guys, if not the strongest guy on the floor every game. Uh, I liked how decisive he was with the ball. I like how confident he looked. You know, he said it himself after the game, he said, I'm confident now. I'm going to shoot now. And, and, and that's kind of a very frank way, you know, kind of laconic way of putting it. But that's how he is when he speaks English. You know, he's very to the point. Uh, and he got a career high 15 points. He never had more than 10 points. He was efficient, six of eight. Uh, he had three block shots, uh, including a couple of really impressive ones. He had seven rebounds, one of two from three. This guy shot better than 50 percent from three in camp, and he's com he's comfortable to go out there and do that. And, and what I wonder, Grant, is we've seen this when he's plays with France sometimes, when his team needs him to be a scorer. 
he goes out there and he'll do that a little bit. And I think he's kind of in a better mind space now, and he looks more comfortable. I don't know that he's going to average 15 points a game, uh, but I think he's a guy who can go out there and, and have you some 15, 20-point games here and there. Yeah, he has. A, I mean, he has a huge opportunity in front of him, and I think he's one of the biggest uh, kind of X factors. If, he, if he's a guy that can be relied on for some consistent production, I think that changes a lot with this lineup and kind of how they attack things. I don't think he's going to be the third leading scorer every night or – you know, be in the, the 15, 17 point range, whatever. Uh, but just every few nights, if you're the third leading scorer on this team, if you're doing something consistently uh, for this roster, that's that's a big deal. It takes a lot of pressure off Olivier Camois. It takes a lot of pressure off John Fulkerson. Uh, he's still got to give you consistent minutes and score and rebound, but the load is a lot less for him if Eve Pons uh, is doing his thing. And it was an interesting thing that Rick talked about after the game that what they did with Admiral two years ago. Uh, when they, they started him down low and moved him out to the wing is what they wanted to do with Eve Pond, start down low and move out to the wing. Uh, but there was so much stuff in front of him in the front court, so much depth and production the last couple of years that he had to start on the wing where he never really looked comfortable. Uh, it looked like he was always kind of thinking the game as he was on the floor. Uh, now he's got the, you know, the, the opportunity in front of him to move down low and to be that guy that can – uh, help them change shots defensively and rebound and block shots and offensively find ways to score around the bucket and, and float out to the three-point line and find shots uh, in rhythm out there and hit those. And if he can get some consistency and, and start doing something uh, producing for this team, it changes a lot, and that would be a huge, huge thing for them. Yeah, you talk about the the sort of the, the speed of the college game at this level. You know, until you really get down their court level, I think it's hard to understand just how much that many big bodies – that are that athletic in one tiny space, space, how claustrophobic that can feel, how confusing it can feel. Uh, I mean, it seems like you need to have four or five eyes at all times. I mean, the ball's kind of whipping around all the time. It, it can be a lot to adjust to, and it's not something that – you know, a lot of guys take naturally too. It's something that you practice every day, and eventually you get used to it. Now, there are some guys like Josiah Jordan James who who play at such a high level at the AAU level. They play at such a high level when they go practice with Team USA and stuff. Maybe they can look more comfortable. And I think even though James is not a big scorer, he's not going to be a big scorer at least early in his career. To me, especially when you think of, of how much time he missed uh, in Cam missing six weeks or whatever it was with that injury, he looked to me pretty comfortable out there. You know, he made a couple of little passes that probably shouldn't have made, and there were some turnovers. There were some lessons to be learned there. But anyone who thinks he's going to be a 15, 20 points per game scorer doesn't know that kid's game right now. He's just not going to do that. Um, but he is a really good basketball player. Um, but I'll tell you, one guy who we talk about the speed of the game, we talk about uh, you know how, how small the court can feel at times and how it can kind of overwhelm you, especially when you're a freshman, maybe the skinniest kid on the court out there went out there and did not look uncomfortable at all. Uh, Devontae Ticket Gaines uh, looked really comfortable. So comfortable, in fact, that after he dunked, he uh, he uh, slapped the backboard and got a technical and got yelled at for it. Uh, Doug Schaus kind of had to tee him up there. Um, but he only played, I think, eight, nine minutes and had nine points. He probably would have played more minutes if Barnes hadn't had to punish him for that technical. Um, but this is a kid who Barnes said point blank, he's been the best surprise so far of camp. And, and you know, they, they, they need some of that help on the wing, and, and this is a kid who, you know, he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, got a 7'2 wingspan. Um, you know, he's missed some time with that hand-thumb injury, but he, to me, he, he looks like a kid who, when he doesn't get kind of physically overwhelmed, he's going to be able to, to, to help, and I really, really love the upside there. Yeah, and, and he's, I mean, he's always been such a mystery, kind of trying to figure out who he is. I mean, he committed 
July 2017, over two years ago. Uh, and he his recruitment never really took off. No real big schools tried to get in the mix with him. He went to Hargrave for a, a prep year, and, and he just it was kind of drama-free. He committed to Tennessee a long time ago. He stayed committed, uh, and Tennessee brought him in, you know, on schedule. Uh, I was really surprised. I think that was one of the biggest takeaways for me is how comfortable he looked on the floor. Uh, I mean, he looked like a second- or third-year player, somebody that had been out there doing it a lot. Uh, he flowed, and uh, he was kind of just in the flow of Tennessee's offense, which I think is something that Rick Barnes talked about after the game. He was comfortable hitting a three uh, in the corner. He's comfortable uh, driving and pulling up and going off the glass. He was comfortable uh, not long after that three. He he found John Fulkerson on the rim for a really nice a really nice pass for an easy bucket down there. Uh, you know, the slap on the backboard, that, that's a kid being a kid, and uh, – there's another play where he kind of slowed up on an open open run to the rim and got a shot blocked from behind, which I'm sure that hasn't happened to him uh, in a long time. But, it, I mean, he's at 6'7", the 7'2 wingspan you talked about, he's listed at 178, which I'm sure is generous. How will he physically hold up for this long of a season at this level, uh, and how well can he play and produce? Anything they get from him is a positive because, honestly, I came into the season thinking maybe him or Pember would have red shirt plans, but maybe that changes with you, Rush. But uh, that was probably the biggest surprise for me, and, and, and it, it makes sense now that Rick Barnes says it's been the biggest surprise for them since the spring, that he looks like he's ready to go and do something and, and can help this team. Yeah, Tennessee's schedule is getting ready to get a lot more difficult uh, here in about, you know, if not next week, it'll be a little tougher next week, and then it gets a lot tougher after that. So we'll start seeing a little bit more about him, and I think he's going to have some of those games where he kind of gets put through a spin cycle. Someone's going to go out there and just kind of try to physically overwhelm him, uh, and he's going to have to adjust. But then again, you know, and I'm not saying he's, he's this kind of player at all because, you know, this is one of the best basketball players on the planet. But, you know, Kevin Durant's never been a big physical guy, and, and, and he could – there were jokes, could he bench press the bar? You know, when he was when he was at Texas, he was so skinny. I mean, he was an absolute string bean then uh, at 6'10", 6'11", whatever he is. Um, but he went out there, and, and, and he looked comfortable, and he made plays. So it, you can do it. It's not like it can't be done. Um, but you wonder, you know, the, the grind of this league, even SEC teams that aren't great always have big, physical, kind of thick, six foot eight, six foot seven guys that will go out there and bang on you. And, and that's going to be a challenge for him. But also, I mean, his length is going to make it hard for, for people to deal with him. Um, and plus, like, seems like everyone else on Tennessee's roster, he's left-handed, which gives you an advantage because people aren't used to defending lefties as much. It's not comfortable. You know, people think about that in baseball all the time. You know, you don't like facing a lefty or, you know, it depends on what the matchup is. On basketball, you're used to guys wanting to go right all the time. And when you've got a guy who wants to go left, that kind of messes with your brain a little bit. And Tennessee played a five-lefty lineup for a little bit the other night. So the, the, they're going to give people some problems doing that. Um, and, and I think Jalen Johnson's another guy who went out there and did some good things too. I've always been high on Jalen Johnson. I think his upside, I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he's got a lot of natural offensive skill, one of the softest shots on the team. He's got a lot of touch. And I think he's a guy that if he just plays, if they just keep playing him and keep playing him, I think eventually he's going to come good for them. I think he's going to have to go out there and make some mistakes, and they're going to have to live with it. Um, but I really, really like his offensive ability. I like his work ethic. I like his commitment to the team. You know, it took him a while as an AAU prospect to, to become a big-time guy too because he didn't play much on his AAU team at first. And people said, why didn't you leave? And he said, those are my guys. And that's what the same thing has been in Tennessee. You know, a lot of kids would have transferred. He didn't, and he, he's kind of stayed the course. He's worked hard. And I think he's a guy who could do some good things for him. Um, but I guess before we get out of here, we do need to mention a couple things. One, good news on Drew Pember. It looks like he won't be out long. That foot injury was not serious. Uh, he came down on someone's foot there late in the exhibition game. And 
you know, he he can run around a little bit. I've seen him put some shots up. He's not far away from being back. That's good news for Tennessee because they're gonna they're gonna need him this season now. And and, and I think one of the biggest reasons why they're gonna need more from him is because of what we're gonna talk about before we get out of here, which is the Euros Plastic situation. Rick Barnes has come out and been pretty. Uh, adamant that, that he is not happy with this decision. Uh, Tennessee, uh, the, the waiver got rejected the first time, and then they appealed once and got rejected there too. So they're working on the, the another appeal now, which they have the right to do. And uh, Rick Barnes basically had the you know one of those stubborn you know country Rick tendencies where he said they're either going to tell this kid he can play or they're going to tell him why he can't play. And so far, neither of those things have happened. I don't know where they go from here, Grant. That's, I guess that's more of a legal kind of compliance question uh, with Tennessee, with Arizona State, with, with pe- other people across the country in the NCAA. There's a lot of things going on there. But I think if you're Tennessee, you just kind of have to prepare as if he won't be there because the season's here right now and he's not available and who knows when he will be. Yeah, I mean, I think you prepare like that because let's be honest, there's not a ton of history that says – your waiver gets denied, your appeal gets denied, your second appeal gets overturned and accepted. I don't know how many times that's happened uh, in the history of this stuff, but I just assume uh, based on history that there's very little chance that this will actually get overturned. Uh, but uh, then again, Tennessee's going to force the issue and, and do their due diligence and try to make it happen because they're going to try to fight for their guy uh, because they feel like he's been wronged here. Uh, and, the, you know, th- that statement said it all, the way they came out and questioned the NCAA and, and the, the welfare of the student-athlete and all that stuff. I mean, y- you can't say much more as a school uh, in one of those statements. I think going with this appeal, you have to have some kind of different angle on the argument. you got to present something different than you presented the first time, and it got turned down. And uh, I mean, Rick basically laid it out before practice Monday and said, you know, if Arizona State would just say they don't have a spot on this roster for this kid this next year, he would be eligible immediately. And apparently that hasn't happened because he's not eligible right now. So I don't know where the uh, where the disconnect is, if it's all on Arizona State, if it's on some third party uh, in between these, these two sides where, where the fault lies. Uh, I don't see it getting overturned, but... Uh, kudos for Tennessee to kind of going out and doing everything they can to to try to fight for this kid. And uh, if he does sit out, then uh, maybe it benefits them next year. They will have all these forwards back uh, this time next year. So as inexperienced as they are right now, Euros or no Euros, there's going to be a, a ton of experience coming back next season. Yeah, I, I think, and, and I'll, I'll be careful how I put this because the, you know I've been trying to collect string on this, and 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 I think. As far as I can tell, it is very much an Arizona State and third-party issue right now in that uh, I think Arizona State had no problem whatsoever with Eurosh and they wanted the kid to be happy. Uh, I think they felt like the, uh, the the guy who went there with him as the assistant coach, the reason he went out there, Drazen, who used to work at Tennessee, and, and, and now he's kind of looking in between jobs because he left Arizona State. Um, I think Arizona State did not love the fact that they thought as soon as Drazen left, from their perspective, they thought Drazen was almost trying to shop Eurosh as a package deal to go be an assistant coach somewhere. So I think that's the hang-up. I think that's where they're having to kind of smooth things over, and, and I don't know where that goes exactly, but I do know that, that Eurosh uh, is not the only player right now uh, connected with Drazen who's having trouble getting a waiver 
uh, getting a waiver processed and getting it approved. So there's a lot going on there behind the scenes. Uh, but Tennessee's stance has been clear from the beginning. Urosh is a kid. He's, they think he's a good kid from a foreign country who came to this country to play basketball. And he tried to kind of – he followed people that he thought he knew. He did what he thought was the right thing to do. And they feel like he's being punished um, because of, you know, kind of naivety or, or, you know, youthful ignorance, which we all have at that age. And uh, imagine trying to go to a foreign country and trying to get acclimated and then trying to figure out, okay, this guy says I should go here, I'm going to go there. It's a tough position, and I think their stance is that this kid's done nothing wrong. Why punish this kid? Why punish this kid? Uh, even if someone else has made a mistake, why is it his fault? So I think that's where Tennessee's going with this. I think they're pushing that appeal pretty hard. We'll obviously have more updates on that as they come in. We're going to keep following that. We're, we're following that story every day, trying to get more string on it. So we'll see where that goes. But there's plenty to discuss going forward with Tennessee basketball, and we'll have a lot more podcasts to do that. For now, we're going to step away. We're going to go to break. We're going to pay some bills. We're going to listen to some products and services and ads and all those things, and we're going to come back, and we're going to get you out of here and uh, get done with this podcast. Hashtag ad. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads and all that good stuff you may or may not have heard just a second ago, unless you're one of those people who fast-forwards through them, which, again, that's that's your prerogative. We'd rather you not do that, but sometimes people do that, and that's okay. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio again, and before we step out of here, guys, I want to remind you again, if you've heard this a few times now, you've probably gotten sick of me hearing it, but I want to make sure everybody does hear this because it's a really good deal. If you are a member of GoVols 24-7 or any 24-7 sports site for that matter, let's say you're not a Tennessee fan, you subscribe to Bama Online or Dogs 24-7 or Swamp 24-7 or one of our other really good college football sites across all of Al Gore's internets, uh, if you subscribe to any of those sites, you get in perpetuity, as long as you are a 24-7 sports, GoVols 24-7 subscriber, you get access for free to CBS All Access, and that's the good package too, the best package, the commercial free package, the one that uh, values at about $100 a year. As long as you are a 24-7 sports or GoVols 24-7 subscriber, you get that access in perpetuity. In perpetuity, one of my favorite words in the English language, as long as you are a member, you can do that. You just have to go right there to the site. We have a, a couple of quick things for you to click on there. No big deal. You can use your same uh, username and, and password that you use for 24-7 sports, or you can use a different one. It's your world. Do whatever you want with it. But what does that give you guys? That gives you free access to everything in the CBS catalog, which is all CBS shows for free, for free, with no commercials. Also get you a bunch of live sports and sports on demand. You get college football, a lot of SEC football. You get uh, NFL football. You get uh, some World Series of poker type stuff. Uh, you get some podcast stuff. You get all kinds of really good stuff. And all you have to do is be a member of 24-7 Sports or Go Vols 24-7. And you might think, well, are you going to up the subscription price now? No, we're not. We've gotten that directly from Shannon Terry. Our boss, the man himself, has said that there are absolutely zero plans at any point in the near future. We really like the price point right now that we offer. That's not going to change. All we're doing is giving you this. We're putting $100 in your pocket. That's all we're doing. Tune in. As always, guys, we really appreciate it. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. 
Patrick Brown is P Brown 24 7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24 7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is at twitter.com slash Grant Ramey. You can also find all of us on Twitter and Facebook. You can go to twitter.com slash GoVols 24 7. Or you can go to facebook.com slash GoVols 24 7. Ramey does a really good job running our Facebook site. It's one of the few good things in this world that he does, but he does a really good job of that. Or if you want to get your news directly from the source, go to GoVols247.com. Right now, got a lot of good deals out there. And really, guys, we offer the the 30% off of the annual deal. That's kind of standard when you sign up. And now you get the CBS All Access Access. It's kind of awkward to say that. CBS All Access Access. You get that for free if you are a subscriber. So please please, please go do that. Not only are we the best Tennessee athletics site on all of Al Gore's internets, we also offer you CBS programming, sports, drama. There's movies in that catalog, everything for free. So go do that. Why wouldn't you? Seriously, why wouldn't you do that? If you're listening to this podcast, you're already a pretty smart person. So go go be a little bit smarter. Take that next step. Like going from, from from middle school to high school or, or from high school to college, maybe from your bachelor's degree to that master's or that doctorate, that PhD, go do that. Go to GoVols247.com, and we really, really appreciate it if you would do that. If nothing else, though, we'll have another podcast for you on Monday morning unless breaking news happens before then, and who knows, guys, that's always possible. See you.